Yo, what's up? I'm your host, Brandon Morris of the You Can Be More podcast. And yes, tonight we're taking a different route. We're going to the NFL. And we have three amazing guests, Amon Green, Kevin Berry, Chris Francis. Yes, I'm talking about ex-Green Bay Packers. This show tonight is really amazing because some of the same advice that we give on the basketball side is some of the same advice that you guys are going to hear from these ex-NFL players. And it's truly amazing to hear their transition from high school to college and then college to the pros. Um, There's a lot of nuggets that they're throwing out for young people that are up and coming and looking to take the same routes that they did. Listen in, pull out your notebook, take notes, enjoy the ride. This is the best damn podcast in the land. And for it to be a basketball podcast, tonight we're taking a different route. We're stepping into the NFL. I used to be a wide receiver. Actually, I wanted to be a wide receiver. You know what? We ain't even going to talk about my football days. I did my thing for one year at the high school level. My One of our quarterbacks is on here, Jason Atanasoff. We dominated. Okay, he dominated. Listen, I was a basketball player. Anyways, uh, this episode is considered our NFL episode. Uh, we got a few gentlemen you guys might recognize uh, that played with the, the best team in the country, the best team in the land forever. I don't care how many Bears fans are on here listening. Green Bay Packers. So, without further ado, I want to give a welcome to our starters for the night. My man, Chris Francis, one of the Green Bay Packers that we have on the line. He also played with the New Orleans Saints, San Francisco as well, 49ers. Chris, welcome, bro. We appreciate you. And then my man from Racine, Wisconsin. That's my neighborhood city. I rep Racine as well. Kevin Berry, Green Bay Packer, as well as ex-Houston Texans. I love Houston, by the way. That's my second home, Kevin. Um, and then, last but not least, we got my man, Mon Green. Started off with the Seattle Seahawks. Of course, the Green Bay Packers, where he did his thing. And then, Houston Texans. God, I love Houston. That's our starters for the night, fellas. That's our starters for the night. So, welcome, fellas. We appreciate you guys coming on. And then, our bench players, who are always with us, warming up the bench. My man. Head coach, boys basketball, Kenosha Bradford, Greg Leach, always on the bench holding it down. He'll be taking over the trivia question section tonight, so I know the bench players will be stumped with these. Uh, another head coach, Jason Atanasoff for Racine Prairie to Prairie School, always holding it down on the bench. He's the quiet assassin. And then my man, assistant coach, one of the top rising assistant coaches in the country at the Division Three level. My man, Corey, assistant coach at St. Norbert's College. Welcome to the starters and the bench. Let's get this thing rocking and rolling. Um, Greg, let's start us off with some trivia about our starters. Go ahead and stump Corey and Jason right away. I know I'm going to get them right. By the way, 
uh, I was talking with uh, with the fellas earlier. We're texting with Chris, Kevin, and Amon. They said that any other bench players that get the trivia questions wrong will be sponsoring tonight's episode. So we appreciate y'all fellas in advance. Thank you, Corey and Jason. Greg, what you got for us? All right. First, first question is uh, surrounds Kevin. He was a first-team uh, junior college All-American for Hutchinson. He will go down in Blue Dragon lore as one of the most successful two-sport athletes in college history. What other sport did he play, and what other highly recognized accolade did he earn? Ooh. You know, I know this answer. I'm going to let y'all take a stab at it. Uh, I would just say no one can be, I believe it was track, or so it had to be shot with, <laughs> or, and discus. That's so I, was going I know to he did that. I, was I know he did that in high school. I know he did that in high school. Two national championships at Shuffle, that's right. Track and field. Yeah. You you know what? Mine, you just saved these guys. So that's supposed to, that <laughs> that trivia question supposed to be for the bench. You saved them on now. It's cool. Hit them hit him with another one, uh, Greg. Oh, I'm bad. Hey, you should, yeah, say so. Man. I'm I'm gonna just be good. <laughs> I'm a competitor. Looking out, man. That's all right. I got one. In 2003, he became the first and only player in NFL history at that time to do what? 2003? Would it be to run over 80 yards on like two or three touchdown runs, something like that? Uh, there's four categories. Oh, okay. Four things in, in an entire season. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, wow. By every snap? Nope. It has to do with rushing. Uh, rush, per rush average, touchdown scored, and passes caught. Well, that's your, I think, I think that's your, you had like 20 touchdowns, wasn't it? Yeah. That's one. That's one? That's one. Dang. Yards per carry, probably the mark would be the five yard. Did a little work, didn't he? Okay. Uh, Jason or Corey, did you guys prepare a question? <laughs> yeah, I got, I got uh, the first question. You want me to throw that one out, Brandon? Oh, first question? Yeah, let's rock with it. Here we go. Okay. So, fellas, this is up to any of you guys or all you guys. Now, what advice would you give high school coaches preparing players for the next level? Who wants to go first with That's a good question. Uh... I can go first, I guess. Okay. Don't take anything for granted. Get your education because at some point football will end. You never know when that time's going to be. More football is not that gift that you've been given. But like I said, get your education and know that play every down like it's your last one. Don't let other guys, you know, outwork you. That's my motto. Hard work, hard work, hard work. 
That's a good start. KB. One second. Oh. I'll let you go. I'm going to get my dog. Hey. Oh, okay. Uh, I would say, kind of along the lines of what Chris said in terms of the hard work aspect of it. So something I can add to that would be, uh, uh, repeat the question again so I know the full scope of what I'm so, answering here. So what advice would you give high school coaches preparing players for the next level? High school co- oh, yeah, coaches preparing players for the next level. Um, so, yeah, between the hard work, I would say um, that hard work in terms of where exactly does it go. It goes towards, uh, obviously, I say first thing, hitting the books. So that hard work is hard, you know, in the classroom first, you know, paying attention in class, taking good, solid notes, studying for tests, because, you know, on half of the battle, the student athlete is just having, uh, having the grades to get you know, offers to have schools come after you. So one, so basically have your grades on point of that hard work. And then number two, um, with what Chris said, have a, you have to be ready, physically ready, because it's all about, you know, what type of shape you're in to compete and plan more than one sport. So that would be another, would be beyond the hard work, I would say be multifaceted, play more than one sport. Try something out that you've never played before or something that you know else, something else you know you're good at, give it a try you don't know what could come out of that and then sometimes playing that other sport brings out other qualities of your ability in the sport that you're that you're getting recruited for or that you you're playing as it is because I was a guy that played baseball most of the most of my time growing up as a kid but then I started my track later on and powerlifting which all helped out each other my track helped out my football my powerlifting helped out both track and football to try uh, to play more than one sport. Okay, excellent, excellent. Now we're just to like, what the kids do now is preparing themselves for the future and being aware of one thing is uh, your surroundings, like who you who you hang out with is a, is a reflection upon yourself and teams or colleges know that stuff and so you get in trouble, that's part because of some friends, that's going to reflect upon what your future will hold for you. So it, 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 you got to eliminate some of the people in your life that you may suck for them, whatever, but you got to do what you got to do to make it in life, get that uh, education college or something. Excellent. Thanks for that. Corey, hit us with another one. So how would you deliver a message to high school players that speak or think Division One or bust? Talk about the right fit for a college choice, you know, school culture, those type of things. What advice would you give those young athletes? Um, I could take this one first, fellas. Um, I would say, I mean, to definitely have your options all open. Uh, don't just settle. Or I say you don't want to settle for anything. Obviously, you want you want, but just know there's other options. There's, you know, because of it might be a situation with your grades, or just you might not be the, the top person at that position um, because every position has the cream of the crop, the, the bottom layer under that, and then the layers under that. And in some schools, you think of yourself, you know, you're all city, all conference, and each state could be, you know, rated higher than the other. And then college is looking at you, you might think, okay, 
you might feel you're up high, but you might be rated a little lower. So just have your options open and then have your mind open and uh, to knowing that there's different possibilities of how the colleges are looking at you and be ready for that. Um, and then also when they're looking at you, they might not be looking at you at the position that you're doing the most work at. Uh, you might be a running back, but they might say, hey, yeah, we, uh, we're thinking about putting you at corner because of your size and your quickness. Um, you know, you play running back in high school, but just be ready for that question or that, that uh, statement made from a coach. Because uh, I know myself, um, my stepson, he got asked to change over, and I told him, look, that's a possibility. And don't let that that rattle you. Um, that's just part of their process. Some coaches do that because they're either testing the kid, finding out if he's a, a team player, will he adjust on the run. That might be one of those type of questions also. Um, and Or they might feel if they haven't watched enough film on you, they might think that of you because they haven't seen everything. Um, because they might say, see one, they might watch one film, one game, and like, even though he's at running back, he's a wide receiver. He should be doing this. When, but when they watch more than one game, then they gotta really, you know, sit down. And go, oh, okay, no, he's a he's a running back because he does this, this, and this. So just knowing, you know, that coach is uh, coming in with a pre, you know, has an agenda. But as an athlete, just make sure you know what you want. Um, what I did for myself personally, I actually laid on a piece of paper, wrote down. The, the city this, that the university was in, the, the college major that I wanted to major in, if they had it. And then, then I went to um, the offense or defense, if I played offense, you know, what type of run game. If they were a pass game or run team. Um, defensively, if they ran, uh, you know, 3-4 to <clears throat> a lot of nickel or something, because I played run, I played linebacker and I played uh, strong safety in high school. So, And then I, I, I labeled uh, what other athletes are at that school at my position. You know, I played running back. And I did my homework. And even what this is before internet, but I grabbed my Sports Illustrated. So I grabbed newspapers that my dad had, and would go through the newspapers like, all right, USC has this roster, Nebraska has these running backs there. So I knew who I was coming again against, with, you know, to compete with. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's just it, all it is is big competition. Obviously, from the time you from little league all the way through the college level. So, and then find and then ask those questions to the recruiters when they come in. You know, what other you can ask them what other running backs are coming in or what other running backs are you looking at you know other than me um you know the head coach how long is he going to be here because i remember doing one of my recruiting visits i found out on my visit that the head coach that i was coming here for he was about to leave the next year then i'm like all right that's going to be a you know x off to that college right there um i'm not coming here because that's why i'm coming to this school because of that coach so so yeah yeah lay down the question and, and um i said the details that you want because you're I say you're more in control than what sort of a lot of student athletes think in the recruiting process. Chris. Yep. So, I guess for me, playing down in Houston, it was more of when I was able to get that full ride. A lot of schools wanted to walk on, and to me, I couldn't set up a walk on because I knew I wouldn't be able to afford it. So when that UTEP said, hey, we're going to give you a full ride, it was like that was an easy choice for me because all the other schools were, you know, walk on, walk on, walk on. Granted, it's some big-time D1 schools. But it's like, do I walk on and have to pay all this money or do I take this free ride to this school? And I know mine say, you know, check, check your, your boxes and dot your eyes. I didn't have it out. 
I saw a scholarship and I took it and I made the best of it. So for me, it's, I guess it depends on the kid itself. Keep your options open, but at the same time, know when you go that you got to start from from scratch. You're the low man on totem pole, so it's like you're going back to high school all over, all over again. You're a freshman. You got to fight for every position you have, but it's not going to be given to you. So no matter what, and you got to know the reason why you're going to college. What what's your main end goal? Are you going to college for the education, or are you going just to play football? But again, football is not gonna last forever. So go back to that whole education piece. You got to figure out, all right, if I do go to college, what am I going to college for? I got to figure out what what kind of occupation do I want to end up with when I get this four-year degree? Will they support me when I'm all done with this four-year degree? Can I can I go into the job market and say, yes, I have this degree, and this is my major. And go from there. So I guess to the, to the kid is keep your options open if you have them. Don't close the door on nobody. Do your research. Nowadays, there's plenty of research online to go out and figure out what this college is about, what they're offering, who the coaches, who the players, what, where you line up against these other players and stuff. So it's all about what's your motivation in the end. What's your end game plan? And have that option that if football doesn't work out, what comes next? Mm. Like I say, it all it takes is one injury and you're done. Or it takes one one coach to leave and it's like, all right, they're going to bring their players in, their coaches in, and it's just like, dang. I had that happen to me my, my junior year. The head coach left. He pretty much fired the whole coaching crew. And then those new coaches, they brought in a couple of late players. And so with that, one of the players was a receiver. So it was like, all right, they brought this dude in. And to me, it was like, man, this sucks. But at the back of my mind, it's like, all right, now I got to beat this dude out. After I didn't beat everybody else out, there's another dude I got to beat out. You got to sell your A game all the time. No matter right. What, whether it's on the field or in the classroom. So to me, never stop working. Yeah, yeah, good point. Kevin. I can definitely relate with this because I, I was growing up in Wisconsin. You, I wanted to go to Wisconsin, but unfortunately, due to grades, I had to pick up another option. I had to go to junior college route. And so some kids may think like that's a bad way, but there's a lot of kids that come out of, especially I was in the Jayhawk Conference, and they got a lot of players that come out there to go D1 and a lot of end up in the league too. Uh, but yeah, I had to, the way I found a junior college, because there's none in Wisconsin. So basically, I, my, my coach and I sat down. And opened up the book and just picked the first one that I pointed to and went on a visit and ended up liking it and went to Hutchinson, Kansas. Wow. Interesting spot, though, I tell you that. <laughs> I, I was like, this, this is one stepping stone from where I want to get to. So I did what I had to there for two years and worked hard in order to get to make sure all my grades were set up for an order for college. And uh, I took, some, took a couple visits and stuff. And that's one thing for kids. I say make sure you take your visits, your college visits, uh, more than just one school, take all the visits and really evaluate what school you want to go check out because I was looking at like the death chart, like seeing like, okay, what's this tackle? How, what year is he? And uh, what kind of offense and all that stuff. And then checking out the offensive line coach and, and you kind of talk with them. If you can have, you got to make sure you can have a relationship with those coaches for, because you're going to be with them for a couple of years. And so you got to make sure you be able to relate with them and also being a part of that team. 
And when I picked Arizona, I could definitely relate with my old line coach and the head coach because he was definitely a player's coach. And that's what I liked about him. I visited other places. I mean, I remember when I went to Mich- Michigan State, and that was when they had Nick Saban there. And they try to put all this thing out in front of you, make everything glorified, and try to get you to, like, when you go in that office to talk, and they want, like, oh, you got to sign today because we can't guarantee you can have that spot. And I, I just told them, say, hey, if you have it, you have it, but I'm not signing anything today. Wow. So they try to trick you into signing right away. And then end up, before the season started, he left to go, I think it was LSU or whatever, and then Bobby, Bobby Williams, the running back coach, wanted to be in the head coach. Wow. Definitely glad I made the choice of going to Arizona. That's deep. Yeah. We missed each other by a couple of years, KB. I was at, yep. uh, Dick Tomey was there when they recruited me. And uh, like I, like you just mentioned, that's the reason why I didn't go. The school I was talking about was Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, on my visit, I found it was a rumor leaking around during everybody's visit there that Lou Holtz was going to leave in 96. And this was 95, obviously, and he ended up doing that. Wow. Exactly. But also, too, yeah. I'd say, like, for, like, especially high school kids, make sure you you're, you have a good character while you're in high school, too. Because, I mean, they go back. Uh, coach Tommy and Coach Dickey came back to my high school and talked to my O-line coach and everybody about, like, what kind of character, what kind of player is he, all that stuff. And so they go back, like, even the league goes back that far, too. So you got to make sure you have a good background uh, when you leave that high school. Good points. Good points all the way through. Appreciate it. Uh, Corey, what's the next one for us? Well, what was your experience like transitioning from high school to college as a player? Amal, we'll start with you. You look like you're ready. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, the transition, it uh, I like for running backs, so because it's going to be three different perspectives: running back, wide receiver, oh, from um, it was more how I learned it quicker than others. Even on you know Nebraska, one thing I had to worry about was the pads which I knew that in. So I was like, Poof. I don't have to do a lot, but still had to adjust. And the speed and the defense that we were practicing against was an NFL caliber defense in terms of the black shirt. So it was just the speed of the game. And then getting that, getting past the anxiety of messing up. Because, you know, you're going to mess up. You're not going to be perfect every play. So getting past that, getting that out of my head that, oh, man, you know, don't mess up, don't mess up. Don't get make it right every time. That's okay to mess up. That's how you get better. Um, these are, I'm getting close to be football. So just know that they're good too. They're good athletes. And But I did have, I had good teammates as well in terms of uh, giving me support. Guys that were at my position gave me support too. Um, Lawrence, Clint Childs, uh, Jay Sims, and then Coach Solid. So just making sure I stayed, uh, focus on that part more than anything and not worrying about, you know, messing up and being perfect. As long as I learned the offense, because that was one thing that any coach um, was looking for is obviously do he, does he know the plays enough to, when he, if we need him to get in the game, we can trust him. Um, so make sure I knew my plays, I knew the adjustments, I knew everything that, that the team was going to, that we're going to run offensively to be, you know, so I needed to know that stuff. Make sure I knew it. Took notes, 
ask questions, um, and then uh, just make sure I was ready to go uh, mentally and physically. Uh, but I say really, it was really connecting with my teammates because in a situation I was walk- walking into uh, already on a really good team, these guys had beat Miami the year before, so it's just adjusting to that atmosphere because it was a high-quality atmosphere. And so everybody practiced hard, played hard. Hit the, we hit the, the tar out of each other every day. That's what made us get better. But that, that's what I learned. I'm like, this is what's how I got to practice, how I got to play. So I just, it's just, you got you adjust. I say, as practice goes, because in college, you don't have preseason. So you, in every practice, you got to use that as the time of the moment. This is like the game. Yeah. So you got to have that speed, tempo, and speed it up in your head so you know. When you finally kick off against whoever that first game is, is against, and mentally and physically, when your time when your numbers call, um, you'll be ready to go. Excellent, Chris. Yeah, for me it was it was somewhat of an adjustment going from uh, college, well, from high school to college. I was four miles away in the same state. <laughs> <laughs> State of Texas is huge. Yeah. Cause hold on, Amon, Amon, you went to uh, you were only what forty five minutes away from home. Yeah, yeah, it's a big difference. I was forty five. I mean, I was almost down in Arizona. It, it came down to basically me staying close to my family. My dad, uh, my uh, dad, my stepdad had a, a minor heart attack. He survived, recovered, and then that moment there kind of was like, I need to stay home for things. You know, so I'm not a plane right away. I, well, I had that option to say between Arizona and Lincoln, Nebraska, you know, I had the choice to say, okay, I can stay home. I want to stay home. Why? Because I could be close to my family. They could come watch my game. So I'll have that support that I had in high school. So that's where it was for me. But then, like I said, it's only 45 minutes away in the same state. And like Chris said, it's, it's a big difference. That yeah. You got to be ready for that change. Yeah. You know, be, you know we're, I mean, some guys were from. Uh, we had a couple kids that was international from way at we had a wide receiver from Australia oh. that was on our roster um, during the nineties. So yeah, I could definitely relate to that. So Chris, four hours away. <laughs> Twelve hours away, the same state. <laughs> it, it was it was somewhat of a judgment because when I got to El Paso, the first two now there with, they looked at me like I'm some kind of a stranger because I was like this old school dude but uh, I'm a young kid's body so they didn't really know how to take me or understand where I was coming from but they paired me up with pretty much the star receiver Ooh. he goes by uh, Lee Mays and I thought he was going to be you know this jerk he turned out to be a real cool dude he took me under his wing and he just taught me you know the game of football pretty much and what to do what not to do how to run kind of run routes and what how the plays go and I had some of the guys who didn't like me because I was catching on so fast and during practice at some time they would they would want to fight me because I, I was going hard in practice but mm. uh, yeah, I realized that this is practice this is how you get better but they didn't really understand that because they wanted to just coast in practice and I was like no this is how I get better if you don't like it that's fine so I had Two or three guys who want to fight me because I was going hard in practice. Wow! And it showed it showed them against them in the game because in the game they would get burned, but 
But to me, it's like, well, I did the same route in crack that I burned you, and you took it for granted. So just like in the game, you got burnt again. So what you want me to do about it? I'm trying to help you. But to me, it was more of an uh, eye-opener because I got to see the different aspects of, I guess, culture-wise and things. The different guys coming from different different states and had a couple of guys from Jamaica who I didn't think they played really football in Jamaica, but they was in El Paso playing football. <laughs> but the transition, I mean, it, wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Every now and then I got homesick, but for the most part I made, made it what it is. So. Excellent. Excellent. And I, that's a good, the good part of it that you pointed out that guys wanted to fight you, because I think a lot of players that that are coming from high school think is think is sweet that you're just going to walk into a college and well on the basketball side they all talk about averaging thirty points and it's just going to be their show and you know they're expecting everybody to be all peaches and cream and and, and it really ain't that way. No, so. it's not. <laughs> it's, it's not. I think I got into, uh, on, the, on the practice field, maybe two or three, I wouldn't say fights, but it was more of, hey, why you why you showing up from practice? And, all right, I'm going to take your head off next time. So I was like, all right, bring it. Yeah. So it was a little couple of matches. Everybody came together. It was like, what you want me to do? Huh? Yeah, I'm yeah. Not you. I'm, not <laughs> I'm sorry if you don't want to take this serious as I am. I, yeah. I can't help that fact. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Kevin, how was your transition? Uh, it was a little different. I mean, going 14 hours away to Hutchinson, Kansas, and being in a town for like 35,000 people is quite a different area because, I mean, being farm all around, I mean, in Wisconsin, you got farm, but I mean, if you're sitting in a town, we're like nothing. <laughs> and so it was, it was a little different with that. Um, but also, like, the, the players they had, because you had a lot of cats from like, Texas and Florida, and so like being Wisconsin, you only see like a certain kind of uh, players like that like around here. But when you go to college, they have a variety back then. Like like a lot of players are good, not just like a few from high school. You got like a lot of good players then. And so I mean, I remember there was a guy down there. He was a defensive lineman. I mean, he was bigger than me. He was like three fifty. Wow. And he ran like a it was like a four eight. Wow. And I couldn't believe I was like there. So I was like, no, nah, I got to see this. So when we ran our little runs in the morning, I was like, good God. <laughs> <laughs> that cat can move. And you know, like in Florida, that's, that's what they got. They, they, they that's train scary. hard. But, I mean, oh, it was man. interesting to see that stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> and then, the I, mean, I mean, just dealing with that. So, I mean, it was a little interesting, like different kind of offense a little bit, but just learn the playbook and, Either way you go, like when you move to the next level, you guys just gotta work harder with studying the playbook and understanding how, like it's different there. You got different kind of speed, different kind of players, and all that. Uh, made through that, and then transitioning to Arizona, and I actually worked. I got I registered the first year because I got hurt, and so that gave me time to even get to understand like learn that offense and learn what they kind of uh, what they want to do and stuff. Uh, and I was fortunate to the players that I, I was with, they're like seniors. And so mm. they helped me like learn, like learning transition and all that stuff like that. Like what you should and should not do. Um, and then once again, you had a big variety pack down there. Cause like over in Arizona, you got a lot of Polynesians and stuff. So those cats are thick and <laughs> other and also, but they're fun to hang out with. And so actually I hung out with them a lot. And like, I never, I started learning that whole kind of culture like that with those guys. I mean, they're, they love spam. 
Spam and eggs and like the night out, they cook it up and stuff. Straight. But that puts that, yeah. that put that weight on there. <laughs> but when you've been out of the club and stuff like that, that's that's something the more like, eating that, I mean, it tastes delicious. <laughs> but I mean, it was fun getting to know like different kind of like variety of people, man. I grew up with Jimmerstein. I mean, I've seen stuff like that on TV, but then when you actually get to be around like different kind of players and Polynesian and all that stuff like that, I mean, it was cool to to learn that stuff with them. Interesting. Definitely enjoy there. Interesting. Thanks. Uh, Corey, what's our last question for this segment? Well, I actually want to go back to number three. So all of us as freshmen in college and different things, what was the shock, right? We all had a shock when we got there, you know, of, you know, you guys obviously were very successful wherever you were, but what was the biggest shock as an incoming freshman to, to capitalize on that experience? Mm. The shock. Who want to take that? Uh, I think it was for me. I mean, it's big a shock for me. Uh, oh, you go, Chris. Yeah, go. I think it was thinking that everybody in college was way better than you. Oh. And knowing after the first week of practice, like, these guys are no different than me. They make mistakes just like I do. They just they just a couple of years older than me. Yeah. And that's about it. And <laughs> once you get that fear of, huh, all right, so this is the game, huh? Once you figure once I figure that out, it was it was on from there. Mm. Nice. That was my biggest is is removing that fear of these guys, I can play these guys. I just gotta get up and get catch up to the speed of the game and that's about it mm. yeah that's kind of for me too like my like the experience like just like I said we, like you you get into like the uh in college and once you're like at that level it's like a lot of players are good and it, it can be intimidating for like an incoming freshman like you thinking like me you're all american whatever in high school but now you're going to that next level where a lot of those guys that you're playing against were first like all team and player of the year and all that stuff like that but then just getting that uh, understanding, like, if you work hard, you can play it, like play with those guys. It's no, it's no different than what you've been doing. You just, just got to work hard, and you can go play with exactly like those guys, too. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I have to piggyback on that, too. I'll say once, i say for me, it's about almost the same. Once you got, like, hit or... or for me was I remember my first time getting the ball in the backfield with you know Tommy and the offensive line that you know these guys were in my you know played against Miami and Lawrence Phillips took the first couple reps um, coach put me in at the end and he just sliced them up you know he didn't you know he, he didn't kill them because it's Lawrence Phillips okay and he's like what's up freshman your turn I'm like really <laughs> <laughs> I got go deal with this extra beef you just did to him and I'm like oh my god so I go out there and first couple plays I think I went it was two run plays that went backwards five yards you know each so I'm like what in the world this defense is you know is good all right so I had Christian Peter get in my face it's like freshman you know I'm saying that I'm gonna go PG 13 he's like 
you know, basically take that back to high school. It's not high school anymore. Okay. And I, and I listened. And I said, all right. And then my brothers, too, they said, just come in there and don't trash talk. Just play football. Because, you know, one thing about trash talking, eventually you'll get your head knocked off anyway. So don't do that. Um, <laughs> so I took the Christian Peters' advice. He said, uh, bring, it, bring it a little harder next time I come in there. So, like, a couple of days later, I got back in there. Um, played, my number got called. And there's an uh, ISO right up the middle. And I remember running past. Christian, he went down. Um, I didn't know what happened, but I, I just put my head down, tried to pick up some yards. I picked up like five, five or six yards. Went, ran back, to, you know, got tackled, got went back to the huddle, and I like, found out later that his shoulder was, you know, I, I, I hit him and it, he, he hurt his shoulder. Wow. And I watched film later. He's like, he only, he tried to reach for me with one arm and try to tackle me. And that's where he, he almost, uh, I guess, Almost right then, but you know, back that's how you think. I was like, I listened to you, <laughs> you told me the front one day, one day that that wasn't it, so I made sure that was it. And so he's like, No, that's how you run the ball here, you know, at uh, Nebraska as a running back. And he's a defensive lineman, you know, he's telling me this as, as a defensive player, like our running backs run a certain way here, we run, they run hard, yeah, and, and one person doesn't tackle them. And and uh, that was basically the lesson, the lesson learned. You know, by him talking, you know, talking to me, telling me that stuff. Wow, interesting. So, um, you, what uh, what high school did you go to, man, in uh, Omaha? Um, Omaha, I went to two. I went to Omaha North my freshman and sophomore year, and then I transferred to Omaha Central. And Omaha, Omaha Central. Central, yeah, Omaha Central was probably the best inner city school in Omaha, and then we had the country, you know, the out of out of town schools, the country schools that were really, really good too. They had big boys. They had guys like Kevin and across the line. <laughs> uh oh. I see who who's gonna be sponsoring tonight. And I could keep my junior on average six foot six. I, we were blessed at Omaha Central. Mm. <laughs> Uh, so yeah. <clears throat> okay. Hey, you do you know Arthur Boats? Did he go to Omaha Central? Uh oh. My your your yeah, service yeah. is going in and out. Yeah, I don't uh we never met, but his, he's up on Okay. Uh, I do I knew that I do know Arthur. I know of him. Oh, okay. We haven't met, but we uh, he's on the wall. He's oh. on the walls in the high school. Okay. He is a legend, yeah. Yeah, that's my guy. Because I went to Iowa Western Community College. And uh, so we we went over to the, the high school oh, often. Of, we had a lot of Central. Yeah, a lot of Omaha kids. Yep, yep. And Kevin, you were at Park. So with you going from Racine Park to JUCO... You said you've seen obviously a lot of different things. Was it was it a really a shell shock because Racine has a hundred thousand folks in there, and then going to a thirty five thousand Hutchinson, Kansas, was yeah. it a big shock for you? Like, man, this ain't this ain't the place for me. Um, no, I mean, I, I was I knew that that was a place. I like this is a place to help me get to 
like get to that next level or get back on track with going to a D1 school. And I thought that that was a place that like, the coaches and the, um, they had what I wanted to for degree-wise and that. So, and like I liked, liked the, um, the play, I mean, some of the players there they had were some of the good players to work with. So, so I didn't mind being there. Perfect. There were times, though, it was a little struggle with trying to find something to do. <laughs> <laughs> but you may do. I mean, it was like we hang out at the dorms. We don't have water pool fights and some, just something to entertain the weekend because, like, you get bored. Yeah. But I say also too, I mean, it was it wasn't so bad. I mean, it was also a little cheaper. A lot of things. I mean, there was a, a video store down the street, and you get movies for fifty cents, and then rentals were a dollar The new ones were dollar twenty five. So I was like, oh, works for me. That's the, a deal right there. The good old yeah. days. I spent. Yeah, I was one day. They knew I was coming there to get movies. When I went there. Yeah. And Chris, you grew up in Houston, Texas. What's what high school? And and that was a was that a big change for you going from from there to to UTEP? No, Houston was El Paso was just as big as Houston. Okay. So you had the uh, northeast, south, and west. You had the Trans Mountains, and so it was just as big. But there was it was dry desert, so I was playing in pretty much a desert, dry heat. So going from the heat to the heat humidity. To the draggy with no no green grass anywhere really, but on the practice field, that was a bit more of a common change than anything. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. H Town. I used to live in West Chase District. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, Corey, you said that was your last question. Yeah, that's the last one I got here right now. Perfect. Perfect. Segment. Perfect. So, um, Greg, can we get two more trivia questions? Uh, so these guys, let's get this show sponsored by one of these bench players tonight. So GL is not on the on the timeline here. He fell off. He is not on here right now. Um, but I'm gonna go back. We got this one's gonna be uh, about Chris. Um. So, what years did Chris play with the Packers? And who was the quarterback at that time? Uh-oh. Jason or said does not know this. Second part, Brett Favre. Is that right? Chris, is he right? Yeah. And, uh, 05 through 08? Uh, no clue. Jason Sponsor. Yes. Hold on. Let's give. Let's give. Let's give Sid a chance. He's a Vikings fan, so I know he won't know. That's up there with not winning. Is he muted? I think his mic is not connected. His mic's not on. He's really sponsoring. Sid's oh. actually sponsoring everything. <laughs> so, for those of you guys that are listening, this is Sid's first night on the podcast. He's a little shy. Doesn't have his mic on. It's okay. Um, what was the right answer? 2005 to 2006? It's 2006, 2007, right, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And B. Favre was the quarterback? Yeah, he was in that, that transition phase where they were trying to get him out and get Aaron in there. So all three of you guys played with Brett Favre and Aaron? Chris, you play with both? 
Kevin, you play with Bo? Yep. Wow. What's the, so what's the difference? We got a couple of minutes left in this first segment. What's the difference between those two? Obviously, some of you guys, you obviously caught Brett at the end of the his yeah. career. I would say real quick, uh, Brett is unpredictable in some cases, mm-hmm. and Aaron was. And it was a good predictable because then it was the coaches knew what he was going to do because he was he was more programmed to the coaching. Mm. Brett, on the other hand, he you could coach him, but sometimes he's going to do what the hell he wanted to do. <laughs>
he's a part of he's the he's the starter and so that leadership i saw that leadership developing in him and then the the talent because brett had the talent of be able to throw a football very hard and most and most of the time accurate and he had it better his accuracy was just ridiculous when i came back in 09 i'm watching in practice all the quarterback uh, camp drills that mccarthy put all the quarterbacks through and he will just walk like cake and still he could be like they had one drill where they'll scrabble to the right and either it'll be three receivers open because it was a you know a scramble drill so you had three receivers you had one that's deep one that's short and one coming across the middle so sometimes he instead of squaring his shoulder off he was square like he was going to throw that way and then pop it this way mm. and, be, and be a solid pass and like stuff like that was like I was like, he's, okay, I was like, all right, y'all just see that? I was, like, y'all, I was like, I don't know y'all know what just happened here. He just did a no look. He set for the, the crosser, but then he threw it to the guy that was sitting short and nailed him. You know, uh. that, stuff would, that stuff would Brett would do. And obviously we've seen that with Pat Mahomes too. It's just, that talent is just like, whoop. That's like that. I was like, they're going to do it. And I was like, something's going to happen with this kid in a couple years. So, and it did the next year. Interesting. I got one follow-up. Yep. So, Chris and Amon, you both caught passes from both of them. Who threw harder in their prime? See, and that's not a fair question because running backs, we only get five-yard passes or screen pass. So, that's no, that's a touch pass. Oh. Chris is the guy you need to answer on if he got any bad hands, any fingers broke, or sprained thumbs or anything. That's him. That's all. The thing that bothered me about Brett was, he would throw these no-look passes. He would look to the right and then throw to the left. And you not expecting the ball because you're not looking at you. And then when it comes up on you, you have to, like, brace yourself. And those are the pets that really, uh, really, I didn't like those at all. So <laughs> hard. Hard, hard. Yeah, as far as throwing hard, Aaron threw harder than Brent. Seriously? Five, you would have a five-year-old crossing route, and it felt like he was trying to just drill it in between three people. Dang. Hey, Aaron, look, I'm five yards away from you. Ease up a little bit now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Jason, you have one last question? Yeah, this is more so from a, from a fan perspective. You guys played for, for a couple teams in your careers. Um, you know, diehard Packer fans think Lambeau Field is the greatest place on earth. Can you just touch on um, how it compares to some other NFL stadiums you you played on and also – curious about the player to coach relationship at that level where you're all grown men you're all getting paid for your time um i imagine it's more of i don't i don't want to say friendly that you're that you're friends but you are far more so peers at that level than you would be in high school and college great question um i would start with the fan part of that question i would say a place that i was at uh being in seattle would go venture down south to Oakland Alameda Stadium, the black hole. So that that fan base was uh they were a quite an acquired taste. They were funny, <laughs> they were entertaining. Um they would say tough things to you and just shake your head. You just like man what are y'all doing? Because they try to rock you off your game. They try to get in your head. It's like no player obviously is gonna let a fan sit five rows up get in your head. But it just still it was comical. They would say like, they, they would call me Joey Galloway because I was a Seahawks. They're like, hey, Joey. I'm like, you know I'm not Joey Galloway, right? <laughs> you know? And so I'll be like, I'll go back in because I'm warming up. i go, hey, JG, they want you outside somewhere. 
Um, and then uh, I say, what's the second part? Remind me of the second part of that question. Second, second part question. was just what? What's the player coach relationship like at that level when you know you're all grown men, you have, you might have families, you're all getting paid for your time. I imagine that it's quite a bit different than the relationship with your high school college coaches. Right, right. Um, so the difference, I say, I say my experience. I've had coaches that coached me that I respected them for what they were doing, but I didn't like them. That's just being full disclosure. Like as a coach, like my dad was, my stepdad was a football coach. So at the end of the day, you know, he told me, you know, what coach's job was. You know, when I was a young kid, so I understood that. But he said, look, biggest thing, if you don't like the coach, respect your coach because he, because he, he may be teaching you something. And I say may loosely because once I got to the NFL, I found out that some coaches I might know more than they did, and I was just like, that don't make sense. I'm a rookie. How do I know more than you? And you're supposed to be coaching me. I learned that in my rookie year. So, um, in terms of the relationship, it just be ten between some of the, you know, determines. I say depends on some of the coaches. Like when I got to Green Bay, it was a guy by the name of Kimmy Brown that was here. We kind of got close because he he would just he like made the room relax. Like he would talk crap to you, but he's teasing you. It was all funny game. And then another guy that came in later after him, a Sylvester Croom who eventually was a head coach for Mississippi State. Like, he, his thing, like, he, we, like, all my coaches, majority of my coaches, we had a good time in that meeting room. Um, one thing he did that not, I would say really when I think about it, none of my NFL coaches ever did, that he had my back. He had all our backs. So myself, uh, Najee Davenport, Tony Fisher, Dorsey Levin, Will Henderson, uh, Matt Snyder, all the guys I was in that room during my time, because it was times that, like, between Coach Sherman, and Ella, it was, that was the majority of my years, where Coach Sherman and KB can account for this, where he would go off on a certain position, and they'd be like, oh, well, the running backs play terrible this game. And my coach, so, you know, Crooms, would be like, hold, hold up, hold up now. Hold up, don't be, don't, these my running backs. <laughs> you deal with Joe guys. Now, they didn't have a bad game, but don't jump on them when the quarterbacks did this. You know, and the linemen did this, or the DB. Like, he was like, back up now. Get off my RBs. I'll deal with them. And he did that one time. And I was like, I was like, in my fifth, sixth year, I'm like, <laughs> did that? I said, that's my coach. I said, that's my coach right there. He had our backs, right? And so that, that changed the game for me. Nice. Me and him, our level of, of accountability. So when he would call me out, I took it as he's trying to make me better. I already know he has my back because he showed it. He, he stood up to the coach in the meeting, the head coach, and said, no, stay off my running backs. You deal with yo guys. I'm going to handle my running backs. They're going to be all right. So when he caught me up, my mom, why you fumble the ball or why'd you miss the block? I'd be like, right. I got to fix it. I got to read the film better. I got to you know, read my notes. I got to remember that's on me. So I'll say that. Once they got that connection, I had my 100% buy-in to Sylvester to act in it as well because he did the same thing. He held us accountable. And we held him accountable too. And so for me, the uh, coaches part, I, I think I'm more connected or got close to my high school coach rather than my uh, NFL coach. Because I just felt like it was a business. And that just stayed in the back of my head as far as that relationship. He was there to do his job to get a paycheck, and I was there to do mine. But my high school coach, he, he coached. I get so many different techniques and how to 
how to uh, help affect my game. He, he convinced me to run track, which I hated to do run track. It just gets fast. So I listened, I wouldn't say more, I listened more to my high school coach than my, my NFL coach because, again, like Amon said, there were some things that I just scratched my head. Uh-oh. Chris's internet for our listeners. Maybe one of his kids probably uh, cut off the internet connection over there. Uh, Kevin. Uh, for like the fan base, I mean, Green Bay is the best hands down. Uh, I mean, it was uh, like even players that come to from like all these other different teams, they love how like Green Bay is, the fan base. It's just a whole different level. I mean, being and playing in Lambeau is just like this legendary field. And it's just like it's great iron field and has a great gold on all that. Because, uh, like, there's a difference between, like, the scrimmage we had, like, the little family night. I mean, you feel the whole stadium. Yeah. Compared to, like, when, when the mom and I were down in Houston, it looked like the training camp, like, they were just, like, on the, the side of the fence, just like a little sideshow, like, that was it. And then they had, like, some little inflatable things going on and some DJ on the field. Like, that was it. I was like, man, it's a whole lot different story right here. <laughs> Practice? Practice? Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my first family now, I was like, good God. They got the whole stadium filled for practice. It was, it was great. Wow. Um, and then for, like, coach base, like, uh, I'd say, like, kind of like what Chris was saying, like, my high school coach was a big influence for me. And I had one of the best relationships with him. I mean, he's, he believed in me compared to other coaches. Like, there's some coaches that, I mean, later on after I got out of college and those pros and talked about it. But, I mean, there was other coaches back then that I didn't think I had what it takes or smart enough or whatever it takes to get to, like, to go to college. But he believed in me. He worked with me like, every way, shape, form, make sure I like, uh, stayed on me, make sure I was uh, working hard. And that's the kind of why my base is, like, my attitude to be towards the competition. Like, basically, kind of started around then. With like working hard and being the best player, the best thing, uh, best player you can do or be, like in the weight room or off the field, on the field, whatever. Uh, it was with him. Like my yeah, coach Ellis and coach Thompson were like one of the coaches that stuck with me the best. Uh, and then for the pros, I mean, yeah, I had a crazy coach. I mean, Mon and Chris know about that. With like Larry Beckham, I mean, this this cat was different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stuff he was saying in the lock in the room, and we even had like a lineman like look at like. Did you say that? It'd wow. be a lawsuit. Just put it like that. Something yeah. out of his mouth. Wow. <laughs> I'd be like, what did you just say? I said, yeah. that's not. Hmm. That's right. Great guy. Yeah, he, was, he was a little different guy. I mean, we had a relationship too, but I mean, like I said, my high school coach, I mean, that was like a strong relationship I had. And also, I mean, also too, I had a good relationship with my coach uh, uh, in Arizona too, Charlie Dick. Okay. We're a great guy. Chris, you want to close us out? Yeah, talk about that connection. Anyway, I was saying I got more of a connection with my high school coach because he was more of a – he taught me different aspects of football and different aspects of uh, running routes. He helped me get a little bit faster because he pushed me to run track. And I wasn't a fan of running track. He, he just told me to help my speed and help my game. So I did it. I mean, it, it helped a little bit. So – uh, as far as the NFL, the, the receiver coach that I had, I, I didn't, I wasn't his biggest fan. Some, something didn't really connect between me and him because of the things he said. And I knew this stuff, but then he would say it, 
It's like, wait a minute, how, how are you saying that we're supposed to be the head coach and that's not making any sense to me or any other player in this room? And the players will just question, question like, why are you saying this? And are you are you sure that's what we're supposed to do? Like, we were questioning, like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Are you sure we're doing it? Wow. Um, but, and, and that's not that, that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> that's not supposed to happen. So when you're in the NFL, you're supposed to know exactly your position and know what's going on. There should be any questions or doubts about when you're telling your players or talking to your players about what's going on on the field, on his film. So, yeah, my, my relationship, like I said, back to my high school coach, I mean, me and him still talk to this day. So that the relationship that we formed, you know, went further than football. So... Excellent. All right, we're wrapping up this first segment. The fellas really gave some uh, great nuggets for the young up-and-coming high school players that are looking to go to the next level. Gave a little bit of experience on their transitions from high school to college and then on to the pros. So in our second segment, we're going to talk a little bit more about the pro uh, pro football life, and then we'll also talk about the last dance. Yo, we're back for the second segment of tonight's NFL episode. You can be more podcasts. I'm your host, Brandon Morris. Uh, that first segment was very interesting to see that all these nuggets that are dropping for these young and up-and-coming uh, high school and college players. Hopefully, they're taking notes when they listen in. Now, let's roll into the second segment. Right away, let's let's jump into it. Let's dive into it. Actually, we, we had a question about uh, from Mon Green. How did the whole Batman thing get started? Like, like, what's up with that? He said, what's up with that? Uh, Batman started probably when I was like, <clears throat> probably like eight, nine years old. And they had the old uh, syndicated Adam West episodes late night or early morning on that uh, regular TV. And I just started watching them and got hooked. And so I'm watching, you know, bad acting, bad special effects. But it, it sucked me in. <laughs> You know, I'm eight years old. I don't know any better. So I'm watching this. I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. It's a little corny, but it's cool. You know, I like it. And then 1989, I was uh, 12 years old. Then uh, was it Tim Burton, Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, Kim Basinger, they dropped uh, the, the Batman movie. And that, that kind of, that was it. I was like, I'm a Batman fan. Mm. I, and I realized that at 12, you know, he didn't have no superhuman strength. He's just out there kicking butt, and he'd get his butt kicked, too. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but he was fighting crime, helping people out. And then and as I got older, I started reading comic books more and started really learning about his history, which I already knew from the movie. His parents, you know, got, they got murdered in Crime Alley and how that motivated him to help people and how that kept him, his fire burning throughout his life. So I was kind of, I'm like, man, I started putting connections together, how, you know, my life and, you know, my role, you know, I didn't have, obviously, my parents passed away, but I had, you know, tragic moments. I had ups and downs, and I used, I would relate to that to help me get through it. Well, you know, Bruce Wayne or Batman did this, and I think we, we do that, you know, sometimes, you know, if it's, if it's that, if it's comic books, if it's, you know, if, you, if you're heavy into your religion or some, you know, motivation out there that gets you through a down slope, that's what I you would use from time to time. And then, and then once I got, I say, as a, as a Packer, player once i got the green bay fans found out about it and i would get i got a lot of the batman stuff that you see here because of the fans they were sending me comic books 
posters. Wow. All type of toys. I remember if uh, Kevin, you remember uh, Coach Lionel Washington. He was our our D, one of our defensive back coach coaches back when we were here. Yep. One of his neighbors here in Green Bay gave him two shoe boxes full of comic books that dated back to like nineteen the 1920s or 30s that were Batman. I was like, what? So It just gave it to him, you. Yeah, they gave it to him, and he gave it to me. He said, man, my neighbor gave me some of them. I went through, I put them in plastic, you know, cleaned them all up and everything. I was like, man, these things are going to be worth something. But, yeah, that's, you know, that's why. I mean, nothing, I mean, my man KB, he's Superman. He's a Superman. He'll talk about his thing with Superman. But at the end of the day, I was like, Batman, to me, was more relatable because, like I said, no human, he didn't have no powers. He just mm. was a guy that had a tragic moment and had a lot of money that could make things happen. And uh, But he knew, and he, you know, he's, a, he's, a, he's the smartest man in the room, so he knew that once people like Superman start showing up, hey, I need to, I need to partner up with this guy. <laughs> I, need, I need to roll with them. Right. They could, he could just sneeze and I'm dead. He mm. sneeze on me wrong, I'm, I'm gone. So that's, uh, that's how that Batman uh, you know, superhero fandom my, my one obsession has uh, grown. And Kevin, you, so you you rocking with Superman? Oh yeah, I've been a fan of Superman for, like basically since I was like eight. No, because Christopher Reeve was like that was my Superman, that's my Superman right there. Uh, and then also, my mom is from Metropolis, Illinois, where they have the Superman statue and all that. Wow. I still have yet to go there. I was, I was actually planning on going this year, but they canceled all that to everything. But I was planning on making it out there. And so it's also fitting when I went to the school in, in Kansas, in Hutchinson. And now they do, like, a, a Comic-Con out there. And so, like, for that weekend, it's called Smallville. <laughs> so it's crazy how it worked out that way, too, with everything. Yeah. Interesting. That was meant to be. Yeah. Chris. Time when I was watching that Batman Superman movie together. Hmm. Hmm. So Chris, I gotta ask you—you you got a superhero that you're rocking with? I do not have a superhero. My superhero is fishing. Is who? That's <laughs> fishing. Fishing. Man, Chris is a superhero himself. Oh. Fishing them kids. Yeah. Kids are amazing. They are stale, man. He got a—he got a bunch over there. Yeah. Him and Chandler, boy. Woo. There, them two are superheroes right there. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. when I hear the stories. I love the stories they tell. I'm like, oh man, because I, I wasn't, I was a knucklehead when I was younger too. I was running up walls, and <laughs> jumping out of corners on my brothers and sisters, and doing stuff to the dogs. So yeah, I can, I relate to Chris. So he is, Chris is superhero number one right there. Mm. <clears throat> Greg, hit us with some trivia. Chris made. Two all-conference teams in his final two seasons. Uh, what conferences were they for? Corey said, Jason, go ahead and sponsor the show. Y'all know y'all ain't going to get it right. I'll give you, I'll give you a hint. Uh, honorable mention in 2004 and 13 and 2005. I'll go with this one. Uh, Conference USA has got to be one of them. That's right, 2005. Oh, this okay. open book? I see you with that cell phone. It's open book. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> hey, as long as you got Google 
Yeah. I, mean, I wish I had it 40 or 30 years ago. It would be awesome. <laughs> I'll make my life easier too in college. Oh, uh, great. One more. Okay. Well, nobody said the whack. That was the in 2004. Oh. Um, one for Ramon. During his time with the Packers, he became one of two players in NFL history to have two TD runs of 90 or more yards. Who was the other running back? Uh, Bo Jackson. Yeah, you got Google open. No, yep. That one, that one's off the top of the head. I did not look at my last. He's right. Yeah, he's right. He he's right. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Bo my favorite player growing up until Brett Favre did. So that was hey, so we get. Hey, Brandon, can I ask one more so we can get a little bit of Ferris talking? Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's a fun fact. So when Amon came back to Green Bay the second time, thirty was being used and he wore 34 in honor of who Amon? Sweetness. Walter Payton. My man. That's the only reason Bear fans respect me. Because <laughs> <laughs> when, when I walk up on a Bear fan, because my wife's a Bears fan. Just oh. a little, little disclosure. And it works. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, what's, it, what's that? I got another two like the first time we were, the first uh, game we ever did U seventy one was versus the Bears in uh-huh. Soldier Field. We was killing them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, any Bear fan that I walk up on, they be like, "Man, we hate you, but we respect you, man, because you ran that ball like Walter Payton." And I say, "Hey, yeah, that was my favorite running back growing up, along with Bo Jackson." And they be like, "Oh, okay, yeah, then, then okay, you're good, you're good, you know." Mm. <laughs> they don't, they don't go down trying to berate me on, right on the spot. Right? <laughs> interesting alright so uh, we'll go Chris you'll lead us off Kevin and Amon you'll close us out on this question and then we'll go in reverse what was your best and worst NFL experience your best and your uh, worst NFL experience I'll start my worst I was in practice and it was uh second practice and I was catching passes from this guy named Ingram Martin. I felt a stinging pain in my hand. I looked down, I didn't see anything. I kept catching passes, catching passes and looked down again, I seen some blood in my, in my glove. It's like, what in the world? So I took my glove off and my right hand, this part, split open. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me right now. How is that even possible? So I was out for, I think, a month with three cities in my hand, not being able to play football. Wow. So I was, yeah. So imagine catching football, having hands closed, and not, not being able to do what you pretty much are doing all your life. Not even able to catch a pass, can't even participate to do nothing. Wow. Uh, I think my... Fondest memory, a, a good, greatest moment is, is, I guess it's a good and bad. It's more of my dad passed in 2007, and Brett Farr reached out to me and said, "Hey, I understand what you're going through. If you ever need somebody to talk to, I'm here for you." And for some reason, that stuck with me till this day. We, me and Brett, haven't had a lot of conversations when I was there when he was there. But that one moment, like, hmm, this, this guy is 
he is, I guess, legit. He is a human being. Yeah. And not just all the food flies, everything else that comes with it. He was pretty much the only guy that actually said, hey, if you ever need to talk, I'm here for you. And, then, uh, and so, um, that was, I would say, those are my two moments that I, I really remember as far as good and bad uh, playing in the NFL. Wow. Kevin. It's a lot of things to choose from. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, one of the worst things I had um, was injury when I was in Green Bay. Uh, it was like the last, it was during our mini camps. And it was the last mini camp before uh, training camp. And it was like the second to last period before we were done. And I told my quad. And I was, it was, it was a point where, like, it was going to chance to get, like, a starting spot. But I was always doing the U71, so, like, Mark on those guys are gone, so I had to finally get that starting spot. Hold on, what's the U71? That's when I was blocking tight end. Okay. So, like, and I had to report every time to the rest every time I went out there to do something. I was eligible, I was, like, an eligible receiver. Oh, okay. And so, we had one, we had one play that ended up giving us to Mark Couser. Because the defense always focused so much on me. And so they didn't realize Pouch went over to the other side and went right in the end zone and caught a pass. Mm. I was like, that's my play. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, was, I mean, I was so close to getting ready to have like a chance for the starting spot and then to have that happen. So I had to sit there the following season, sit there and watch it all from the side. That was hard with that. Mm. Um, but one of the best, like, he's got like a lot, there's a lot of memories. I mean, there's memories with Fred and all those guys and stuff like that. But I say one was like with the mind, like the block for 98 yards. That's still, like still the record. Those be able to block to make that hole. The hole was like the size you can fit a truck through that thing. So you going down in the history books on that one? Yeah. Oh yeah. Interesting. Like, so there's so many great plays, but that was one that definitely stuck right there. Hmm. Mine. Yeah, I was to say, uh, for that play was KBKB brought up. That play in that season, that's when that package went in. And I, and I like to say between the Seahawks uh, defensive line and any other, and Broncos too, they haven't, some of them players got uh, PTSD. Because I see, I was running the ball, <laughs> seeing this dude put a guy that hit his side five yards in the, uh, in the end zone. We're playing against the Seahawks the first, second time we probably put that package in. And we're on the four and a half, we're on the three-yard line. It's 98, uh, handoff solid, which is an outside zone play to the right. By the time I get the ball, I already see, I mean, the whole, all I see is the, uh, is it P, is it P-A-T-K-E-R-S? I just saw the K. I didn't see nobody. Wow. I was like. Clearing the hole. Both talk on that. Um, <laughs> that was down in Houston. Lord have mercy. Uh, 
Well, um, what year was that down in Houston? That was 07 or 08. Big difference. Culture shock, weather, you know, it's hot as hell, it's cold as hell. You know, it's cold as the North Pole here, it's hot as hell in, in Texas. So my family has to adjust to that. So I'm, you know, making sure wife or at that time fiance, kids are adjusting okay to that school life, all that. But then head coach doesn't quite have it yet. Um, the team, the locker room and KB can agree, you know, attest to this too. It was they were learning how they didn't they didn't have an idea as a team to win, what winning looked like. And yes. winning for me and KB and Chris too, once he, once we were, you know, we were here, we knew what that was. You know, even at the college level, we knew what that meant. But that, when we got down to Houston, it was just, it was rapid, um, finger pointing, blaming people. And it was the coaches, it was the players, it was the 
Damn.
dealing with a head coach that don't quite get it yet. And my dad, you know, is terminal. He ended up passing away in October that year. And then the day he passed away, the Texans wanted me to go get treatment instead of go to the funeral. They said, you got to come and get treatment first on your knee. Because my dad had a knee bruise in the second game of the season against Carolina. I don't know, against the Chiefs. But yeah, the day, and to this day, my wife, that's one thing. She hates the Texans just because of that. Mm. You know, you go, you got to go get treatment before you go to your father's funeral. Like, hold up, you know. And so, and then all, you know, what hurt me the most between that and then how my teammates beyond Kevin, because, like, Mike Flanagan was there, Kevin Barry was there, so Kevin knew me. He knew, even even Mike knew, it was like, man, you all right? None of my other teammates even thought about doing that. Because they had, I mean, I could say, to their account, they didn't get to know me yet. But they were thinking, oh, he just coming in, he's a big money running back, he getting paid all his money, he just, he just, he's better than us, he's got his nose up in here. I'm like, no, I got all hell breaking loose in my life right now. And I don't, I, I really don't, I don't want to put it on y'all because this is my business. You know, I'm, I'm not that type of guy just to throw all this stuff on somebody when I know they got to worry about their job too. So I was kind of, I was taking it off. Um, and so me and my wife, we, that was the closest we, we obviously been and we had to get through that. So that was, I say 07, I say my whole time, two years in Houston was probably the worst NFL experience, period. Um, whew. And so I say my best experience was, I say my time in Green Bay. Um, guys, from the time I got there, I got there off the trade. And if anybody, you can ask, and most players that have been traded, there's a majority of those guys that didn't know they were getting traded. I, I didn't know. Um, I got traded the day before the draft. Two months before that, I was told by Mike Holmgren that that I developed real well in my second year, that I learned the playbook good. You could push Ricky Waters for a starting job next year for the, uh, for the 2000 season. So I'm like, bet. He said that to me in January. February, March, April, I'm traded. They draft John Alexander the next day. So, I'm, you know, that's when I basically hit me with the reality. This is business. This is a business transaction. This is a business lead. I um, so I did. I got to Green Bay. I stayed at the Midway. They put me at the Midway Hotel with the other rookies that got drafted that year. Good. The cool thing was one of my teammates from Nebraska, Steve Warren, he was part of that team. He was out of the first class. Uh, he was a pretty good draft for Kabir. So once I got stepped on the list in Green Bay and Wisconsin, I learned right away, like Kevin mentioned, about the fan base. Philadelphia against the Lakers, where uh, Allen Iverson stepped on my steps over my boy Tyron Lue, 
<laughs> serious right now. Oh man. Yeah, it was bad. They had outdated stim units, ultrasound units. And yeah. I said to them, I was serious. I was they thought I was joking, but I was dead serious when I said, Hold up, okay. I'm looking at this stim unit. It has rust on it. Some of the wires don't even connect in the slot the right way. Jeez. And I'm saying to him, so I said to one of the assistants, and then I said it to the head trainer later on in the same conversation. I said, come here. I said, come here. I said, we got to talk. I said, 
know, they thought I was joking, but I was dead serious. I was dead serious. I said, look, that's Andre Johnson. Just imagine him. That's a Ferrari. Me, Amon Green, I'm a, I'm a um, BMW. You got Kevin Berry. You got Eric Winston. That's a, another Lamborghini. A Harley Davidson chopper. Are you going to send a plumber in here to work on, you know, work on us? Or are you going to send a real mechanic in here to work on us to make sure that we are to our fullest health-wise? And he just looked at me. I'm like, because this is what we're dealing with. We got a plumber working on a, a, a Maserati, a, a Lamborghini, a BMW. Because this, this doesn't add up. I was like, this is why Houston, Texas are not, are not there yet. I was like, but I'm here. I'm going to try to do my best. But come on. I was like, come on, guys. And they just kind of looked at me, ah, like, this ain't funny. Wow. We're at the bottom of the league right now. This is, this is one reason why, because they agree like, with us, and Chris and Kevin knows, when we ask for stuff, for equipment, training equipment, anything, in the weight room, we got it. Wow. So, I got into Pilates. A week later, they had a Pilates machine in the training room. I mean, and they bought, they bought so much of Pilates stuff, I didn't even know it existed. I was like, what? What's that part? <laughs> you know, that's what Now that you, you, you mentioned struggle, um, how has your journey made you, you know, into the man that you are today? Obviously, you guys played in the league for a long time. So how has your journey made you into the man that you are today? I think all of you guys, except for Kevin, mentioned about kids, you having your own children. Um, so how did that make you into the man you are today? Mine, we'll start with you, Kevin, and then uh, we'll have Chris close it out. get home and he find out I'm a crip and putting that uh, that leather to my butt. That's what 
fighting at, on the street in, in my neighborhood. I was fighting at school, but obviously getting suspended. And the funny thing was, uh, you know, the teachers and the principal. I remember the first time, one of the times I was sitting in the principal's office, you know, just got in a fight. And I'm sitting, you know, the person I fought sitting across from me, and we were just looking at each other. And parents come in. My teachers are like, well, Mr. Son, because my mom took my, my stepdad's name, um, Scott, and she's like, well, Mr. Scott, uh, we don't know what, um, it gotten into him, huh? we've never seen him, you know, act this way, we never seen him fight, uh, but, oh, no, no, we, they said, we see it every, it, it, every now and then, but we want know, we know one thing that, uh, he's a good student, he has A's and B's, <laughs> <laughs> but he, but he's got a short temper. Um, and, and so that temper followed me, you know, I kind of dealt with it right way in high school, middle school and all that, but you know, in the league, you know, in certain situations that happened in my life, I, I said my temper, uh, got me, you know, in trouble. Um, but I learned through, you know, those experiences on and off the field in life to, you know, kind of think, take, take a step back and breathe. Um, a lot of it was, uh, I say, keep kind of reminded through the, uh, I say, leadership course that myself, Kevin, and Chris took together, where it was a lot of tools that if we all develop it, for me, I'll say for me personally, that I wasn't really utilizing them you know, during my career because it was like more of a, you know, it was a roller coaster of a career, you know, of a, I say football or any pro sport, once you get in it, it's almost like 100 miles per hour. Everything's fast, happening to you, bam, 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 you get drafted, and, you know, this team is mini camps at OTAs, and sometimes I got where I wasn't really paying attention to everything. I was orbiting. I was, wasn't all there, always focused on the exact, I was focused on some things when it came to football, but then things outside of that, I was losing, you know, control. But I learned as I got older, I learned how to reel them in, how to focus, how to, how to write a game plan down, how to take a deep breath when I feel emotions coming down, you know, coming about to take over. And I think everybody knows how that feels when you get emotional about something good or bad. <clears throat> and then, you know, becoming a dad and then raising kids. And then, because my kids now, I have 17, 20, 22, 22, and 25. And so they're all self-sustaining pretty much. Um, when I was playing, they were babies. And so I was raising kids and playing football along with, the crazy first ex-wife. So learning <laughs> how to deal with all that has brought me to this point where I'm sitting in this chair now. I know how to deal with certain things. And it's unfortunate. It's certain things that I think most people don't need to know how to deal with, shouldn't know how to deal with, but I know how to deal with it. Because when I tell, I don't think I really sat down. I mean, yeah, Kevin and Chris kind of know what I've been through. So just the, I told, I remember one time telling Will, uh, talked to a good uh, friend, good teammate, uh, Will Henderson about this. I, I told him everything that's gone on in my life before pro, pro, pro football, during pro football, and after pro football. And he's like, what? And I was like, just think about that. And said, just, 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 just think half of that didn't happen to me while I was playing football. And I did what I did with all that going on, how good I was, but... I know better than anybody that I wasn't just good because of me. I was good because of Kevin, because of Chris, Brett, Aaron, all my teammates. That's what made us good. Um, but if I didn't have other stuff going on, other drama, where that could have went me, you know, took me. But for wherever my life went, it happened that way. So I had to be, you know, now I'm okay with it. 
I, I was upset that my career ended the way it did. I, I, you know, I want every, and I think most players may have be, may may be upset about it. But also now I'm at peace with it, and I'm ready to teach my kids, next generation kids that I'm coaching, whatever I do, football, esports, whatever, to make sure they get through their journey. Because you know, there's bumps and roads that you're gonna have to experience, and they're there for a reason because they're they're they're, mold, they're there to mold you into something a lot stronger in the long run. Excellent. Kevin. Uh oh. Kevin looks like he's gonna he looks like he's gonna be sponsoring. Hey, my bad. <laughs> uh it was, um, for me it started out at a young age, uh, back in like elementary school. because uh, I was in special education because I have ADHD. And so, for a time, you're sitting there getting told, like, I mean, like, you're, like, they kind of put you, they make you feel like you're not like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And at a young age, I was like, just, you know, because it was hard for me, it was like, uh, it took me a little, like, I was a little slow with learning everything, but I didn't want to be like, I wanted to make sure I start, get to that next, like, um, like, like uh, I wanted to be where everybody else is at. So it just involved me working a little harder, uh, asking more questions. And uh, and overcoming that struggle, like that mental or that uh, that label that someone wants to put on you with things. Yeah. And so from from that, because like I learned stuff from my dad, you know, integrity for how he talked to me. But then from my um, in high school, the coaches I had to work with, they taught me to how to focus on like that that competitive edge and like that how to use that determination to like work hard in school and work hard on the field in order to achieve my goal for what I want to do in life. And so I. I set goals for myself. It just start out with little ones. You can't like you get the big picture, but you got some little goals first in order for what you want to do in life. And so I was doing my little goals little by little, and it helped me like it carried on from high school to college and to pros with how I had that, that mentality of working hard and uh, not letting like what I have going on like like stop me from what I want to do in life. Uh, so what was my part of that? Um, and like, although now, like I use that, use from what I've learned over the years to uh, mentor a lot of kids now. Like I was mentoring kids when I was playing. Uh, I do that now. I work at like a middle school and I work at high school and stuff like that. But I, I teach kids and tell them about like what I've learned over the years. Because they like, they kind of ask me questions like, oh, is it hard to make it to the NFL? I was like, yeah, it was hard. A lot of sacrifice and dedication in order to get there. Uh, but a lot of kids nowadays, they want that instant gratification. I'm like, no, you got to go through the struggle in order to get to where you want to be at. And so, like, I've been working, like, I continue to do that now and, like, just pass on. Because, like, I had, I grew up with mentors. And so I want to pass it down, like, the, like what I've learned to the young, younger, young generation now. Excellent. Excellent. Chris. Football taught me discipline. Don't take anything for granted, and pretty much how to become this person I am today. So discipline-wise, it's knowing what you want and doing the hard work to get there to do it. Like I said before, when my fellow teammates in college were back at home doing whatever, I stayed in college. I worked out pretty much every day. I worked a job with some summer school classes. 
And so that hard work pretty much allowed me to get that extra step for the extra leverage against my, my teammates and my opponents. And so it just carried over to my my life now and, and not to be dependent on anybody and to if I really want to do something, I just figure it out and do it and try to understand, all right. Now that I got it, it's like, okay, I could I, I can do it. It's not it's not as bad as I thought when you look at it initially because you don't know it. You just get out and figure it out. And so it helped me I guess to raise my my uh, my kids because I've seen my parents struggle and I told myself I don't ever want to go to that feeling. I don't ever want to have that feeling knowing and seeing how my parents struggle. I see my dad wake up at 5 o'clock and doesn't come home till 11 o'clock at night because he works two jobs. Wow. And for me, and for me it, was, it was more of a, all right, I can't do that. There's no way that I can have work two jobs, be gone all night, and, and still pinch pennies and, and do whatever he could just to pay the bills. I told myself, nope. So I, I, most of the guys that I hung out with, they either in, ended up in jail or sold drugs or, or just didn't do anything for themselves in life. So I told myself, now my dad reminded me pretty much every day, if you ever get locked up, don't look for me to come get you out because you won't stay there. I'm not going to spend my hard money to go get you out of jail. And I've already told you to stay away from those folks. And so that was a lesson in itself. And I took that to the heart to where, I see some guys, they were doing this like, all right, nope, I'm, I'm going to go fishing instead of go partying. So that helped me, you know, stay out of the trouble. And when they got in trouble, it was like, sorry, you could, you could, I asked you to come with me, but you chose to go that route, so I'm going to go this route. But yeah. make choices in life to where your your path, your, uh, path will affect your future if you, don't, if you don't allow it, if you don't allow yourself to... Uh, get those questions answered. So football has taught me to, to be patient in a lot of things. People say, how, do, how did you become so patient? You're patient with this, you're patient with that. And I don't ever see you get mad it's because you got to have that, I guess, that ground layer of, all right, life is, life is going to be life. So you know, there's no point in getting mad at something that you can't control. You're not going to be able to control everything, but you control your actions. You can control your, control your thoughts and your words. So football is just that broad spectrum of seeing people for, you know, for the good and for the bad, not to take anything for granted. So I, I try to raise my kids the same way. It's like, look, I understand you want to do this, but I'm telling you, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. This is the outcome. So football has put that same mind frame as, all right, you know, I'm going to make a mistake. But I shouldn't make that same mistake over and over and over because I know what the outcome is going to be if I continue to make that mistake. So I, I appreciate football and my, I wouldn't say abilities to play it. It's more of, you know, hard work pretty much. And that's, I can praise the hard work to my dad because I see him just grind and grind and grind to get what he wants. So it, it, it instilled in myself to whatever I want, I better go work hard for it. I'm going to do the same thing for my kids. Like, look, I know we have this, this nice house and car stuff like that, but don't expect too much. You don't have to work for yourself. Yeah. You have your little scholarship that, you know, other parents are fortunate enough to give their kids. Like, look, I understand we can, but you need to own it. You need to grind out for it yourself because if we pay for it, you won't, you won't, uh, 
What's the word I'm looking for? You won't uh, appreciate it, value it. Oh yeah, they don't know the value. Yeah. Yeah, you want to appreciate it, you won't get the value. Because I've seen a couple of guys when I was in college that their parents paid for their colleges and they didn't appreciate it. They was blowing money left and right, and it's like, man, I wish I had that that same, you know, parents who they're rich parents, but I don't. So I, I appreciate it. My parents and what they've instilled in me, I'm trying to do the same thing with my kids. So football taught me just how to become that their well-rounded person and, and to know and love and respect the game, even though it's a business, but it's still their game to help with the discipline aspect of it and to be organized and to be that team player. So Excellent. Yeah. All right, we're coming right back at you, Chris. Then we'll come to Kevin and then Amaya. We'll close out with you. Um, I'm sure like everybody, you guys all tuned into the last dance, even though you guys are ex-NFL players. Uh, what were your thoughts? Just two minutes or less. What were your thoughts on the last dance? Did it meet your expectations or what were your overall thoughts of it? <clears throat> to be honest with you, I haven't watched the whole thing. I'm still uh, having to finish it up. But Michael Jordan himself, he's, he's a don't cross him pretty much. <laughs> That's it for you. I never seen, uh, understood how his mentality can go from, all right, um, you, you got me this time, but don't expect it. Don't expect this to happen again because that's it. That was, <laughs> that was, your, that was your highlight of your life. Now I'm about to put you down like you was nothing. So, I mean, he, he's one of a kind. I don't think anybody at this point will ever be, be a Michael Jordan again. I don't think... There's not a person right now can even touch him. So he's he's the greatest of, of all time in, in my perspective. And to, to continue to have your legacy be talked about 20, 30 years from now, it, it's something to say about this one person, how much effect he has, not only in the basketball game, but the entrepreneurship and all the, the young men and young women who want to become the next Michael Jordan and the influences that he's had on on people in his life, so he's done a lot for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, good point. Uh, yeah, so we we, we want to just put that on record that uh, Chris has not finished the last dance. He's uh, one of three people in, in the in, in the world right now. So Kevin, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, I forgot he a grown man. He got three kids and he got yeah he got real stuff to do. All right, yeah, I don't have. So, but man, I, I loved it. It was great to watch, and then it was great to sh like that. Since when they showed the part where they talk about like how uh, when Jordan was a kid, like the struggle he went through in order to get there. I mean, getting rejected, getting like told you're not good enough for basketball by my high school coach and stuff like that. And then him not accepting, it, still like, uh, and having his mom like talking to him about it, and then to, to have him realize he needs to go like work even harder and so continuously. Working on that, on his, uh, on his, like on what he needs to do, his skills and everything. It was, I mean, there was that. Uh, just seeing the competitiveness out there, like the struggle. I mean, going back and forth between he's here, but in order to get to like this part, they go back and show you the struggle they went through in order to get to like this championship and all this like up and down with the team and going. Like, the way his mentality was too was like he demanded, like he he wanted perfection for himself and also. Instead of just like yelling, at, like he yelled at his players, but also he, he would help them get to the point, like get the best out of them, 
in order mm-hmm. for, the, for everybody in the team to succeed in what they're doing. So. Excellent. Hey, can I can I also point out that uh, Chris, his wife is a Hall of Fame basketball player, played in in a, in the tournament a lot of years, so she's probably haven't watched the the all of the Last Dance either. I would assume. Yeah, um, she she's watched it. I'm sure she can tell you a lot more than I can about it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Chris has got, he got a good excuse, though. Look, he does. He does. They're awesome. Um, no, for me, that you know, watching that was just like, I couldn't wait once I saw the first commercial of it because moving, so I moved back to Nebraska, and that's what I was watching. Um, I was watching the 91 finals when we moved back, and that was against, you know, uh, Bulls and Lakers. Mm. And, and so I'm, you had just left LA then? Yeah, we moved back that summer. Oh. So during that summer, I'm watching the finals basically through the newspaper at the Greyhound station, yeah. on the way to you know California to, uh, to Omaha. Um, and I, I and I grew up a sports fan, so I watched baseball, I watched basketball, I watched the Olympics, I watched football, I watched rugby if it was you know on at three a.m. and in, in in the middle of the night. Uh, so, and I watched those bad boy series when he was getting raked going across the middle mm. you know you know when 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 i talk to my kids now when i coach football and i was like man don't let me put this, my hands in your chest that's what they were doing to jordan you know they had to earn it that's what kb was talking about that hard work and here's what talking about they had to earn it and so for me seeing the last act come on it was just like ooh, now we get to see behind the door because mm. we knew there were conversations that could have been on ESPN, ESPN, it could have been on Fox Sports, that we, as players, we know this conversation from players to coaches, players to players. Um, we've heard from other NBA uh, stars. I remember on KB, I don't know if you remember this, uh, Bill Russell, you know, Mark Sherman brought Bill, uh, Bill Russell in to talk to us one year during the regular season game, uh, the night before a game. And he had the same conversation, kind of like MJ had on in his interview, and it's like, I'm going to be on you, but I'm doing this because I'm trying to make you better, but also hold you accountable. And, and it's not going to feel good. You know, that's how my dad was. My dad was from New Orleans. My stepdad was from New Orleans. Um, he grew up at a time during the civil rights movement, so he was old school. Mm. Anything I had to do, I had to earn it. And if I didn't do it, it was a piece of leather going across my butt. Um, no, no, no negotiation. So, <laughs> For me, I grew up at that time watching MJ go through the struggle of trying to get past Detroit. You know, he had a broke foot and all that stuff. And then the part that I love, because I mean, I was Michael Jordan all day. I'm still a Jordan fan. Him, I say, answering the critics every time. Oh, you don't play defense. Oh, he gets defensive player of the year. Um, oh, he don't pass the ball enough. He gets, he leads the, you know, he leads the organization in assists. You know, just every time he got tested by a critic, he he said, "No what? No problem. I'm gonna go do this." He wins Finals MVP. He wins he wins the league MVP. You know he has a tragic moment happen in his life where he's like, "Let me just redirect for a little bit. Let me try out baseball. Let me try out baseball, even though I'm not good at it. People may laugh at me, which they did. They gonna joke about me, which they did. But you know what? I'm doing this because this is a conversation me and my dad had, and he said, you know, basically give it a try, mm. regardless of how you doing it." Give it a try. 
And he did. He didn't succeed. But for him, it was a growing moment for him and in his career. And he came back to the game and, you know, another three in a row. You know? <laughs> and so I argue with my kids today that I coach, that I know, that I mentor. they like, oh, LeBron, you know, Kobe. Hey, trust me, those are some good players. I say, but there is no Kobe or LeBron if there's no MJ. I tell you that right now. True. And like Chris mentioned, it didn't matter the sport. I was a football player. I was a baseball player. I was terrible at basketball. I'm still terrible at basketball. (laughs) But one person that I look at and say, I'm that person. I need to be. I'm I'm, going to be like Michael Jordan. I remember um, in 02, KB's rookie year, we played down in New Orleans. And I had just... uh, I ended up getting hurt that game. Um, and that was, we were playing down Superdome. We were playing on our old school turf, and I, and I just bruised my, uh, my, I bruised my MCL. I came out of the game. And it was a big game because, you know, the Saints, good team. You go to their stadium, you know, beat them there, and we did, but we lost. And I remember having a conversation because after, after every game at that time, I would call my parents. That would be the first phone call I'd make after the game, win or lose. I would call my mom and dad just to check in because I know my dad watched the game. And just tell them I'm okay, you know, because my mom hated to see me play football because she didn't want her baby to get hurt. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I would call and say, Mom, like my I'm mom. okay. <laughs> you know, mom, I'm 20, you know, 25, 26 years old. Mom, I'm okay. I'm good. Oh, she's like, okay, here's your dad. And I start talking about that. Dad, he, he, he's breaking the game. You know, he's a coach. Mm-hmm. But they didn't do this to, you know, on, on, a, on the goal line. They should have blocked like this. Or they should have, <laughs> you know, Brett should have threw the ball this way. And, you know, what? so I'm going down that. Yeah, Dad. Gotcha, gotcha. But that game stood out in particular. Because I remember that conversation I had with him. And I said, Dad, I wanted this game so bad. You know, I felt, I remember saying to him, I felt like the Michael Jordan of this team. Because I knew I could do special things for our team when the time comes. Because I, I felt the, the confidence in me. It, it wasn't me being cocky. It just, I see things that he did for his team. Mm. You know, hitting the shot against the Cleveland Cavaliers. With no, you know, that was the guy that no matter what, Phil Jackson's like, you got the ball. Yeah. Two seconds, three seconds, nine seconds. We down by three, we down on one. You getting the ball. Get the ball to 23. And that's how I, that's how I looked at it. When... Mike Sherman, Mike McCarthy was like, we need something to happen, especially if it's a run play, we're giving it to number 30 because those guys in front of them are going to block for number 30. And then number 30 can do stuff I've seen, I haven't seen no other running back do. So that's how that affected, you know, like that was his coverage. MJ. Michael Jordan, like MJ, man. So when kids talk about it, I be like, y'all just don't know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I, I started doing, I'm like this. This is, what, this is me talking to my husband. I'm like, y'all tripping. <laughs> LeBron, I'm, I tell them this. I tell my kids all the time. I say, if LeBron had any, I say, 5% of the killer instinct Ooh. that Michael Jordan had, he would have 10 titles. Those are fighting right. words with some with right. some high school kids. Man, this high, this, man, oh, LeBron this, LeBron that. I'm like, man, no. I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like when when people when I watched enough film where you have Larry Bird saying this guy played like God that night. <laughs> if y'all remember during the last dance that when he played that playoff game his rookie year or second year where he had sixty three against uh, uh, Celtics. Yeah. 
and, and Larry Bird said, what, is this guy down on the basketball court tonight? And they beat him. <laughs> you know, when you got a player like Larry Bird, by the way, who taught Michael Jordan how to trash talk. Mm. When you say Larry, when Larry Bird is saying, I think God was out on the court last night, that wasn't Michael Jordan. That's, hey, that's what I need to hear. <laughs> I'm like, Larry Bird was a bad man. That was, uh, he could shoot eyeballs out. So yeah. when he said that, and then other stuff that, like I said, growing up as kids, seeing it now, looking behind the door, I was like, man, this is going to be awesome from the way, he, like I said, talking to his teammates, bringing Dennis Rodman in, making, and getting him to buy in to mm. the system. Mm. And we know, everybody knows how Dennis was then. You know, he was off the chain. He was doing his thing. But MJ was able to say, look, you do you, you, do you but when you on this court, this is your role. This is how you got you to gotta adjust to us. In here in Chicago, we, you did that in in uh, in Detroit and whatever other team you were on. Now you're gonna do this. You could do your hair all crazy, but you better grab some boards. You better play defense. Right. Period. Period. Are we gonna have? Are we gonna have problems? <laughs> you know, that was him. Yeah. So uh, just closing out on that second segment, talking about the last dance, MJ. We're gonna come back with our closing segments. We're gonna let. Uh, the ex-Green Bay Packers close us out with some last words. This is the best damn podcast in Atlanta. We're in the closing segment. Uh, we have ex-Green Bay Packers, my man Chris Francis, Kevin Berry, Amon Green. They're going to give us some closing remarks. Uh, and we're going to throw out the question, um, there's a lot of social injustices going on all over the country, and it has been going on for a long time. You obviously got a lot of protests going on right now. Um, and these guys played in the in the NFL. Um, so was Colin Kaepernick's kneeling, was it appropriate? Was it, wasn't it appropriate? Or what are your thoughts on, you know, him kneeling to protest? And now it's kind of moving to right now. The movement that is taking place. Uh, Chris, how do you feel? I guess for me, things are not what they all seem like. There's always some underlying fact. There's always something going on behind the scenes. And until you are really involved in what is going on behind the scenes, you don't really know the full story. And even then... The full story is not going to be told because you, there's always going to be somebody trying to have, hide the truth, hide the facts, and just not tell you the, the, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Because of the powers that be, there's always something, no matter what. This political or stuff that's going on, as long as you have powers in place, it won't end. Mm. Um, I don't know what the overlying answer is to that. The justice system, I know it has to change, but how do you change it when those powers are still there? And how do you go about getting them to understand the truth and, and see the bigger picture? So with that said, I'm going to go over to the high school kids. I know your dream is to become that professional 
football player, basketball player, soccer player, baseball, whatever it is, always have a backup plan. Get that education, because that will last longer than that professional career. You're going to need a fallback plan. It's good to have that goal, but make sure you get that piece of paper. You either walk across that stage or, or whatever it is. I mean, not, now that this whole COVID thing is going on, make sure you hit that paper that's saying, yes, I graduated from this college. Um, graduated from that college. So, but don't stop working hard because if you stop working hard, the next person is right behind you to take your spot no matter what. You slip, trip, or fall and get hurt, next man up, like they said in the NFL, next man up. There's always somebody waiting and willing to take your spot no matter what happens. True. So, True. Always understand, always understand that there's always going to be somebody bigger, better, and faster. It's all about discipline and dedication in the end. So, Excellent. That's all I have. Appreciate that. Kevin. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Uh, that's a kind of tough question. I mean, I, what I'll say, though, is that, yeah, there's a lot of things going on. Um, the best thing I can do, like, or like try to do my part with things, is like, working, like, trying to do what I can with my community, like, around here and back home. Because that's, it's gonna, it's, it's not gonna be solved overnight. You gotta take the little steps in order to get the, 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 the end goal. And so, I just try to do my part with what I can and try to get others to, like, to uh, do the same thing. Because if I can help out one person, that will affect another person, they can go and go on from so on. So, that's one way I can help is like to, to make things like be a better, better place now mm-hmm. with that. Um, and then I say for the high school students, uh, appreciate every day that you get a chance to play football in high school, enjoy the hang out with your friends, everybody, but also be dedicated to what you're like to uh, work on your craft. Um, because not everybody's gonna make it to that next level after you get out once you leave high school. But what you can like what you can take away from all this is being the best at whatever you do in life. Not just like playing football, but if you decide to go be a lawyer, guard man, whatever, be the best at what you can do at that. because um, that, that that kind of thing will carry on for you for the rest of your life with what you learn from there and appreciate things. And like Chris said too, football's not forever. Even my, my senior year in college, I wasn't sure if I was going to make it to the NFL, but I had a backup plan. So I knew if football didn't work out, I had something already set that I planned on going into if that didn't work out. So you got to always have that plan. And even in playing in the league, you got to have like work on having something. So because you don't know that there's one play away from not playing anymore. So you got to take, like, take every day, appreciate and learn from it and like try to have something like ready to go for the next, next step in your life. Excellent. Appreciate that. Come on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what's uh, what's going on in the world today? I'll say, like Kevin and Chris had already mentioned, I'll reiterate, it is something that is a process. A process is, don't happen, you know, with a snap of a finger. It, it's going to take time. Change takes time. Um, so it's going to take the uh, the powers that be, you know, in, in each state, uh, our government for the country, and for the governments around the world and people around the world to 
understand <clears throat> understand that it's gotta it's gonna take conversations that are usually uncomfortable that gotta happen um, and addressing that and not and not brushing it under the rug because that's what's been going on for the past I say for my I know for I'm 43 it's been that's how long it's been going on right uh, as you know and then for everybody on this phone call um, the Zoom it's been going on our entire lives do we see it uh, sometimes we can. You know, it's right in our face, so we gotta be leaders and do something about it. And or we hear about it um, through a conversation, through a message, through a, now through social media, we see stuff. Um, but now it's now taking action. You know, saying the words, making the statements, making the posts is just one thing. It's just I say making people aware. But then the real change happens when we go to the state capital. We go to the capital of the United States, go to Washington D.C., where we make the paperwork to put the petitions and sign off on reform in every profession, not just the police profession, profession police departments. Ooh, across the good country. point. But uh, in, in business, I mean, in football, in baseball, in banking, in every profession out there, there's, there's reform. Because, I mean, between racism, you know, and sex, there's, there's all different diff- departments that need to be looked at. And that is going to take probably the rest of our lives. And for me, I'm looking at it as I have, I'm a grandfather now. Um, and so I want to make sure I make that, ch- I help to make that change for my grandchild and her kids. Uh, so that's what, and then for my kids that are here now, I'm going to teach and show them and talk to them about what they need to do as adults to keep that change going, to help that change progress. I have, I say two of my five kids have, uh, I say one of my five kids for sure definitely has protested and peacefully protested. And there is a, in, in showing them the difference between protesting and writing mm-hmm. and talking about difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so like KB said, in my community, so my community where I live, um, my kids who I can affect in a good way. And for the te- the coaches, the, they're the kids that I've coached in football over the last few years, the, co- the kids that I'm coaching esports and the league I'm coaching in is a, inclusive league and title nine is very prevalent in that league. So I have to have a co-ed team. And I was happy to hear that because mm. I've seen that in all sorts of ways where, uh, because of what you look like on the outside, you get judged upon before they find out what your character is. So, um, I'm glad to be a part of a conference and a league that does that at the collegiate level, um, for esports. So, you know, with that, so that that's, you know what I'm saying about what's our atmosphere right now in the country, and it's gonna be everybody. It's gonna be everybody like this panel right here. I see people of different shades of color here, which is what you want to see, and that's what we gotta to have to see to have that change mm. you know, in in our lifetime. Um, and is everybody just being on the same page and having that hard conversation? So that's my uh, bit about that. Well, to I say to high school kids that have goals to go to college and it could be the <clears throat> the student athlete or just the student um, and it's just really piggybacking on what Chris and Kevin already said have that game plan have that goal um, have a backup plan and when I made my first plan for myself I had a plan A and a plan B plan A was get a scholarship plan B was get a scholastic you know get a, a football scholarship or academic scholarship that was my plan B because I knew plan B was going to happen regardless if plan A happened or didn't happen. I had to get an education. 
Mm. At the end of the day, yep. I could tear ACL. I could break my ankle. I could do something where I'm out of football, out of baseball, basketball. I can't do nothing physically, but I do have this. I got this brain on top of my head that's going to help me progress a lot further after sports. So make sure I get my education and make sure I, uh, you know, take lessons learned growing up um, and know that that journey, you know, I know Kevin had touched on this too, and and uh, Chris as well. That it's it's not going to be easy. If if anybody, because I get that every now and then, I've, I've gotten that a fan say to me, "Oh man, you had it easy." And I'm like, I just kind of look at him and kind of like, <laughs> I say, oh, you, if, if you had time enough to sit here, so I could tell you how easy I had it, I would love to tell you mm. that it was. Trust me, my journey was nowhere near easy. I mean, I I mean, full disclosure, I. I should not even be right here right now. Mm. When I was two years old, I had some virus ravage my body where it ate off all my body fat. And the moment my mom got me to the hospital when I was two, the doctor said, if you waited, if you didn't bring him in today, he probably would have died. Oh my goodness. So I shouldn't even be here right now. Yeah. And that was at two years old. I barely knew how to walk and talk. So for every, you know, day that after that for me is a blessing. Right. And I'm taking it full head of steam. And the things that I learned from my mistakes, I'm, you know, I'm using that to push forward. And that's what I tell high school kids, man, you don't know your journey. Nobody knows your journey until you tell it. And you don't, it's up to you if you tell it or not tell it. But that journey is what's going to get you where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to just be given. You got to work for it. You got to earn it. Chris said it, I believe. When you get to the college level, you're at zero. You might have been all American, but now you're at zero again. Right. <laughs> Same thing with the NFL. You get drafted. Oh yeah, it's all yeah. You got now you're making six figures, but you're the low man on the totem pole again. Mm. Now you got to prove what you prove to your college coaches, and also what you prove to your high school coaches of how good of a person and a player you are, all over again. Now you got to start fresh, and you got to do the same thing. That you did at the at the college level, high school level, um, and don't blame nobody for a mistake but yourself. Don't point the finger. Look at yourself first in any mistake, in a loss, in a situation where it didn't work out the way you wanted to work out. Look at yourself first, what you didn't do before you blame the coach, before you blame your teammate, before you blame your mom, your brother, your sister, the dog. Say, what did I do in this situation where I didn't succeed? Why I didn't succeed? Before you say, oh, man, that teacher was hating on me. That She didn't want me to pass that class anyway. I've heard that from students. Like, yeah. really? Yeah. You know, all that coach didn't want to coach me up on it, man. He was he was hating on me. I'm like, really? The coach wants you? He's If he don't, if you don't play good, he don't look good. So why? You know, that's, that's, that's one way to put it. But yeah. why would he not help you? become a better player, you know, from the coaches. Uh, I, I've had some bad ones. I've had some good ones, but for the good ones, when I found out the one, they were, they were there to be coaches. They put their time in. They, they showed me, look, you know, I got you back. I'm on, I'm trying to make you better. This is what you need to do. And so when I found that out, I was like, yep, I'm taking notes. I write it down. I still got it in my phone. I got notes. I got Files and stuff. My wife was like, "You need to get rid of this." So I said, "No, no, those are notes from coaches. Stuff that I don't, I don't, I don't ever want to forget because it, it helped me get to where I'm at and today. And wow. Just know that, 
And uh, and I would say also to the high school athlete, being in a team sport, you don't do it by yourself. Mm. Football, baseball, basketball, hockey, rugby, lacrosse, you might get the all-state individual award or recognition and all-conference and no, I wouldn't have did what I did if it wasn't because, like I already mentioned this before earlier today, because of Kevin, because of Chris, guys like Chris, chop blocking downfield. Kevin taking guys, forklifts, and them 10 yards into the end zone. <laughs> I don't have 9,000 career rushing yards without those guys like that. Mm. I know that for a fact. My brothers told me that when I was five years old before I even touched the football. They said a running back is great because of the guys in front of him and the guys on his team because they block downfield. So I know for sure I'm a, I'm 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 who I am because of the 52 guys, offense and defense that was able to get the ball back, knock guys down to help me get on the football field. Because sometimes it wasn't just me. Brett was doing his thing. Aaron was doing his thing. Donald, Javon, you know, Bubbles, they were catching touchdowns too. It was a team effort. And you know, team sports is the ultimate. I said way to become. Around a well-rounded person, mm. you know, and I tell I tell my high school players that all the time. You know, they be like, "Man, coach, talking forever," but I'm like, "Look, this is gold. This is gold." Mm. I wish I could put a price tag on it, but I can't. So y'all better <laughs> take this. Yeah. You know, so that's what I will say to. That's what I have said and will continue to say to uh, young athletes that I know that I mentor. Excellent. And uh, thank you uh, for having me on the show today. Yeah. You know, anytime. It's awesome. Appreciate that. Uh, our our bench players, you guys got any clap, uh, closing words to, to, to finish it out? Corey, we'll go with you. I wanted to say I appreciate you guys coming on. I know Brandon, I'm not speaking for Brandon, but I know how, how excited we were to have you guys on. And today I got to be a fan, which was great. You know, mm-hmm. I, I remember watching you guys. I remember the U71 package running it down the bear's throat. I remember the game where Najee and Aman went went off. I know, GL, you remember it too. You just don't want to. But <laughs> um, I, remember, I remember reading about Chris, you know, coming from, you know, from an unknown to somebody that's making the team and doing these great things. And, and for me, it's just great to hear. I'm a fan today. I'm a lifelong Packer fan, always will be. But uh, more so even just hearing your guys's thoughts and wisdom for young men and women um, for what it takes to become great at whatever you do, not just football, but whatever you do. And that, that to me is really important. And I love people. So thank you. Coach Young. I just want to say thanks. I mean, I got my little guy here listening to you guys. Um, I really appreciate, you know, what you guys spoke up. He stood up for most of it. And I finally got him to sit down. <laughs> um, but I mean, I mean, uh, Amon, I mean, I gotta ask you this though. I mean, I met you back in 2018. Uh, you probably don't remember this. We were at a Badger game together, um, and then we met coming out of the tunnel. Um, but then the question I gotta ask you though is, how do you feel, or how did you feel? I'm, I'm talking about some, um, you know, hometown stuff right now. When uh, Melvin Gordon went off on Nebraska for 408 yards, how was that? How did you feel? <laughs> Man, I was at that game. I'm a vet, man, so I, I got to uh, throw that one out there for you. Hey, great question. I was at that game. I was actually in um, a friend of mine that had a skybox there in, in Camp Randall. 
and everybody, I was the only Husker fan in there, just by the way, just full disclosure there. And I'm watching this dude barely get, I mean, the DBs. Was like, I'm like, he's not a big bat. He's not over, he's not like A.J. Dillon size. You know, he's not no, uh, what's his name? Uh, Brandon Jacobs. You everybody remember Brandon Jacobs? He ain't 270. I'm like, hit this dude in the chest. Come on, guys. But <laughs> he killed us. And I'm like, but I took it like, I took it like a champ. I said, hey, he did it. You know, hey, that old, that old line, one thing that, been in Wisconsin for 20 years. I know Wisconsin does very well is recruit offensive linemen. Yeah. And between them and what he put down, and I see him, I see a, a Melvin play in high school too. And he played against my stepson. My stepson went to Oak Creek High School. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Watch those battles between oh. the two. Go at it. I, I already knew what he was capable of, capable of, but to actually see it and to say, I know this kid and he, he was raised the right way. Um, I was like, hey. That's what, that's what that happens when you got that, that, that chemistry of linemen and athlete on the football field at the same time. <laughs> I'm like, come on, red, big red, come on. You're killing me right there. Mm. Ow. But, hey, it is what it is. It is what it is. It was a hell of a night for him. I know that. Coach of Tannis off. No, base, basically same thoughts as Corey had. I mean, lifelong Packer fan. Brandon's met my father, so. I didn't have a choice. I would have been disowned. But I uh, just love listening to you guys talk and your stories and and uh, the different ways you guys came up and went about things was was really enjoyable. So thank you. And the Bears fan only. Hey, Amon, you were right. Uh, I do respect you. I was doing a little research and saw that uh, you wore 34. And uh, I will always be a Mon Green fan, even though your, your career is over now, but I do absolutely respect you. Um, so what you learned before from the Bears fans, absolutely right. And, <laughs> uh, towards the end of Brett Favre's career, I, I as a Bear fan, and it was tough to do, but really respected him and, um, and said, cheered for him as a Vikings fan. Um, but in terms of my maturity for NFL football and, uh, and players that played in the NFL have matured, and uh, I can see past some of the stupid rivalries. But to the point of you guys talking and, and giving your points of view, you know, we get on here every week. We're talking as high school coaches, and uh, well, you know, Brandon, myself, and Jason, and said, and, and Corey's at the college level, and you know, we say some of the same things that you say or that you said tonight. And we've heard college coaches say that it's just refreshing to hear somebody that uh, Kevin, Amon, and, and Chris that have made it to the ultimate level and did it for a living um, to reconfirm back to us that we're teaching and, and doing the right things with the kids. So I appreciate you, and, and uh, this was a blast listening to your stories. Thanks. All right. Thanks, fellas, all you guys giving those closing remarks. Uh, to the Green Bay Packer fellas, we appreciate your your time. Uh, it's a, it's amazing to see Chris uh, do his fatherly thing uh, while while doing the podcast. Um, so I, I see what Amon was talking about as you being a superhero, and and to see that a young man from Racine, Wisconsin, is like our you know connecting city. We claim the Ray. 
we claim racine as well and uh for me to be to go to college in uh at iowa western get my hair cut at young bloods over in omaha and to be in at omaha central where where you guys went to school uh you know just connecting all these dots and having a podcast tonight is, is really amazing uh so once again appreciate all you guys thank you we appreciate you can't say it enough Amon, you got one more thing no, i was just gonna say you're welcome oh <laughs> all right man so this is the best damn podcast in the land you could be mo i'm the host we had a great show tonight with some ex-nfl players as our starters in your bench that was here as always holding it down we ready to jump in the game whenever it's time needed so we're checking out peace